Welcome to the Go To Thrive Podcast, the place to inspire people in the workplace and go to thrive. Mary Jane Roy and Vivian Aqua want to make happiness the new norm and offer solutions to create higher engagement in the workplace. Our Go To Thrive podcast today is Amber Rahim. Amber is an unconventional leadership coach with a focus on wellness. She helps leaders, and that means all of you, to realize how extraordinary you already are. She's motivated by seeing you thrive. Amber, welcome. And well, as we said, when the goal is thriving, there's no better place to be than on our Go To Thrive podcast. So Amber, tell our audience something about who you are include something that they won't find on your LinkedIn profile, as well as something about why you're doing what you're doing. Okay. So then I'd say if something that's not on my LinkedIn profile is I love paradoxes. Um, so let me explain that. How two things can be true at the same time. Like I really believe in structure and planning and organizing. I think it's a really valuable tool. And at the same time, nothing makes me feel more alive than complete freedom and flexibility. Hey. And it would seem that the two don't go together, but I've, I found that actually when you bring the two together and you have these two opposites, then really amazing things happen. You know, um, life is freer. Um, there's more opportunities available to you and it's just a lot more fun. Thank you for sharing that. And then, and then tell us why you're doing what you're doing. So it's, Cause the, you haven't the, always been, a leadership coach. No, 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 I haven't always been a leadership coach. I used to be work in supply chain and my job there was really problem solving. Um, whether it's in a project or through actual production planning and forecasting and working with demand, I was always solving problems. And I would get frustrated because there were more problems in the world than I could solve by myself. So I was looking for a different way to get more problems solved and that make life easier. Um, without me having to do all the work, because I'm also a little bit lazy. I don't want to work all the hours of the day. So when I was looking around to find an alternative way of doing this, I came across coaching. And I love coaching because I don't have to have all the answers. In fact, I shouldn't have the answers. But I can help you as a client to tap into your creativity, tap into your resourcefulness, and find your own answers. And then you go off and solve lots of problems. So indirectly, I am solving the world's problems. You're, <laughs> creating, you're creating a ripple effect. Huh? Yeah, the ripple yeah. effect, yeah. yeah. In one of your blogs, you highlighted Maggie McDonald, a Canadian who has won the Global Best Teacher Award. How can we take her quote, give them what they need to grow? If a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the seed. You change the environment it is growing in and apply this into organizations to assure employees to thrive? Well, I'm going to take that metaphor a bit further. I think um, like plants, to, to be able to grow and to thrive, they need sunlight, they need nutrients through manure, basically fertilizer, and they need water. And they need a safe place to put their roots where they're going to be able to have a strong foundation. And when we transfer that to people, people need the same. And, we, and if we don't get one of those we won't thrive so if we don't get the water that we need to stay hydrated and that could be um positive reinforcement at work it could be um 
an appraisal process that really values who we are and feeds us, then we won't thrive. Um, and quite often in organizations, we look at the individual, we look at the plant and say, it's not growing, it's not performing, there must be something wrong with the plant. While the, the root ball doesn't have any mud on it, you know, there's, it's all dry, it's not getting any water, the light is a little bit shaded and they're not getting enough, you know? So how could a plant possibly thrive? And, but then we tend to look at the plants that thrive in those conditions and say, oh, our conditions are fine because the cactus is doing really well. But if we want to have an entire garden full of plants, like of people, we need to have different environments. So this quote gives people and people in organizations a place to look other than where we currently only look at is at the individual, is look at the whole environment. What's happening in the whole environment? What are we putting into it? And what impact is that having on the people that are working? I really love this quote because it's also giving, feeding into the holistic approach about workplace wellness. Instead of looking at just one particular aspect in somebody's life or in the team's uh, life, you're looking at the holistic version as in if one pillar falls, it yeah. will uh, indirect or direct affect the other pillars within workplace wellness. So yes, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed how you took it further, mm -hmm. uh, Amber. Thank you. Peter Drucker has been quoted as saying, we spend a lot of time helping leaders learn what to do. We don't spend enough time helping leaders learn what to stop. So in your opinion, Amber, what do we need to focus on to help leaders learn what to stop? I'd like to give two, a two-part answer to this. Um, one is an approach that leaders can take. And it's, it's a really simple thing is when they're looking at, okay, what do I need to do as a leader? That they look at two things. I'm going to say yes to doing this as a leader. And I'm going to say no to doing this. That every, for every yes that we have, you have to look at the no, and that no will point you to what you have to stop. So this, the reason I give this example is that at any moment in time, no matter what is happening, you have a method to know what to stop. It's not prescriptive. Because on one day, stopping doing A is going to be the really good thing, and the second day, stopping doing A might not be so good. So it gives the leaders a flexibility just for every yes that you have, always look at, in order to successfully do this yes, what do I need to stop doing? So that's part one. The second part I would say is um, KPIs. What kind of, what do we measure and what do we reward people for? Traditionally and for a long time, like financial KPIs are almost always amongst all of the KPIs if we don't hit that one, we can forget about all the other KPIs because that KPI is king. You know, have we made our profit margin? Have we made that percentage or not? Have we made that turnover? We're so driven to that, that it makes all the other KPIs that we have about um, inclusion, about being collaborative, about how we work together, irrelevant. Because if at the end of the day, when tough times come, if that's the only thing that you look at, people will only focus on that. So I would love to see companies stop that KPI and replace it with what are we learning KPI. Like, you know, for every no, there's going to be a yes. Because studies have shown that when a group of people focus on what they're learning, um, they perform better over time in the long term. 
when people focus on a specific objective target like financials, they perform well in the short term, but over the long term, they get rigid and um, structured and much more um, predictable about what they're going to do when they stay in a smaller set of parameters of things that are willing to risk because the, if they make a mistake, the risks are high. When you're in a learning environment, you're willing to take risks and try new things, which means that you've got an increased ability to do more. So be more creative. Yeah, you'll be more creative. And when people are more creative, they get the job done better and in more fun and more quickly. It also seems that when companies focus on only on the KPIs that has to do with uh, the financial, yeah, the finances, it, it seems that they, they are removing the human factor. And isn't it the human factor that makes people want to work for a certain leader or for a certain company? What is your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've worked within organizations for like about 20 years and now work on my own. And when I choose what kind of organization I want to work for, I don't look at earnings potential first. I look at what kind of organization is it? Will I enjoy myself? Will it be collaborative? Can we make something really great happen? Those are the things I look at, knowing that if we're doing that, the financials will happen. If you don't ignore the financials that is, so I will put that um, proviso is that, yes, you also need to have an eye on the financials, but it should be way down on the list. As in, make sure you're still making money while you do this, but when you do the other things first, um, then the financial results will happen. And it's much more interesting um, when I'm dealing with people than when I'm dealing with numbers. And Amber, there's, there's a real business case for taking this approach as well, I believe, with all the research that's out there. Yeah, yeah, there is. It's um, There's a research article, and let me find the name of the person who did it and send it to you, mm -hmm. and then you can maybe add it in the comments later. Yes, definitely. But, um, but there is research that has shown that when you put a team together and say learning is your objective, they hit their other targets consistently over time. Is that also maybe the reason why agile working is the new thing on the workplace? Yeah, I'm going to go go on the side of what's great about it, about people adopting it more than just a fad. It's just because it does. It, Agile gives you structure, but also flexibility. So you're really always um, looking at what information do we have now? How are things going? And it's a repetitive process and it's a very short cycled way of approaching an activity is and it gets people into action quickly. If you have an idea, and it seems like it's a, it's reasonably good, then you go and test it. Mm -hmm. And then you assess, did it work or not? And it's very different to kind of like the annual, even the annual financial budgeting process of in September, you decide what you're going to spend next year. So regardless of what actually happens next year, you've got a budget and then to change it is incredibly hard. And an agile approach to that would be have an indication of what you're going to spend next year and then regularly review it. True. What is your vision for thriving workplaces for the future? What do you hope to see? What do yeah, you what hope, I to, hope yeah. to see is, well, I, I believe that everyone is a leader and that there are many ways to lead. So whether you're the, the team lead or not, or if you're a person at the back of the room listening, um, in, in all of the positions that are available, there are different ways to lead. So my vision for the future of thriving workplaces is that, everybody gets to step into their leadership 
and that they understand that there are different ways that they can lead. So it's not a fight for first position. It's not fight for, I've got to be at the front of the room and be in charge. But it's really an understanding of every position has something to contribute. And if you access your leadership and the leadership method from that position, you can have great harmony and a lot of um, collaboration that moves you forward and still have the competition, but not the highly competitive um, fighting against each other. I'm just working for myself place, but you can actually have the competition that brings people together and they work together and move forward. I really lo love that idea though. Um, I'm, I'm really curious about your definition of leadership and what about the job titles? Because if I am not, you know, manager so-and-so or leader so-and-so, who's going to say that they are going to listen to me Yeah. or somebody else? Well, there are a couple of, I'm going to draw from the CTI, uh, the Coaches Training Institute definition of leadership. One of the things that they say about leadership is leaders create leaders. And the two, I think the one, most important word in that is that leaders create. That's what we do. So if we take that stance and, and everybody is creative, we know that, then everybody can be a leader. So whether, so even if you don't, you're not the manager, you don't have the official decision-making um, authority um, in your team. If you're creating, if that's your mission is to create, you get to choose what do I want to create in this environment? What can I contribute? And I think one of the best things is like, who are my allies? Who can I work with and collaborate with so that we can make this happen? Like, how do I support the leader who my manager to create the thing that we want to create? And it's, then it's not about hierarchy. It's not about a job title. It's really about what can I do as an individual? It's putting the power back in the individual to be able to contribute. I love this vision. I, I really, really do. do. Yeah, I really do. So, Amber, you recently shared with me about uh, something called the bigger game. It's a tool, a methodology that you're using in your leadership trainings designed by Rick Tamlin. Can, can you share here with the audience what, what this is, what kind of impact this is having for you? Okay, yeah. So, the Bigger game is um, a really playful methodology. It's taking, I think, um, how to be as a leader and how to, you know, all the frameworks that we have um, about the things that we should consider, how we should be, what we need to do. And it's put it into a game format. So I'm just gonna like show you an example here is, this is the game board. There are nine squares on it. And one of the things that I, what I, what I love about it, and I use it, I've started to use it with coaching clients and I'm using it for myself. It helps me at any point in time when I don't know what to do or if I'm thinking, okay, what's next? I can just look at a square on this board and ask myself the questions associated with that. And when I think about thriving a workplace wellness, there are two squares that really stand out for me on here. One of them is allies. Just this, having this, the square there up to say like, who are your allies? Reminds me that I don't have to do this all on my own. That because the things that I wanna do are big and they, they're like not quite conquering the world level, but, for, but it feels that way to me. Sometimes like if I had to do this on my own, I never would. But knowing that I have allies around me who can support me, who can advise me, who might jump in and do it with me, 
that makes it so much easier and then I'm more willing to go out and you know dare and and take the big steps to do the things that I need to do to to make my dreams come true so that's a really key one for me uh, in regarding to um, thriving and the other one is sustainability it's also the square that you look at of okay for us to continue to work forward to achieve our aims what do we need to be sustainable and that can be about the project that you're working on but it's also about yourself am i getting enough sleep am i getting enough laughter in my life am i getting good food that you go to that space and have a look at well, what do i need to be sustainable because the thing i want to do isn't going to be done in a day I want to still be doing this thing next week or in a year's time or in 10 years time. So those are two that I would, I would start with in terms of thriving. Um, and I'm just going to cheekily add in and uh, two more that I really love about this board. You go ahead. You go girl. Thanks. <laughs> one, one is bold action and it's, it's right in the middle, bold action. To be able to make the changes that we want in life and to be able to achieve the bigger thing that we haven't done yet, it requires bold action. So that square is right in the center to remind you that you've got to, at some point, take that leap. You've got to jump off the cliff, jump over to the other side. You can't just keep on walking. You have to make this bold thing. And next to that square is the gulp moment, is that moment in time when you think, oh yeah, okay, I know what the bold, gold, the bold action is. And then you go, and you're terrified and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And you remind yourself why you're doing it. This bold action is necessary. You've got allies, it's gonna be sustainable and then you jump. So just being able to like walk around the board, um, either literally you could put it out on the floor and walk around on those, those different squares and ask yourself questions or just look at it, just takes you to a different element. The access is the moving forward part that you need to make your bigger dreams come true. Um, the moving forward part that you need to keep yourself well. Um, and, and so I use it a lot for myself, but there's an amazing, um, it does amazing things with teams and in organizations as well. That imagine if you had a team of people who could talk about their big project or their big goal in this way, and what do we need to be sustainable? takes it away from oh we can't because but then you look at what do i need to be able to do it and then you go and put that in place so you're looking at possibilities potential it, yeah exactly that that's it you've nailed it mary jane you're looking at possibilities all the time yeah. but also in a way you're aligning you're aligning the purpose of the individual with the purpose of the company in a way with yeah. that game yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And, and I love that word. Aligning is so important. You don't have to agree on everything, mm -hmm. but what is it where you can be aligned with the company goal? I think that's an important part and I see it in people who are very dissatisfied at work where they've lost alignment with the company. So they feel that they must leave. Um, and I get that. I've left places where I thought I'm not aligned in any way and I can't be. I've just not found it. And then I leave. But I think that looking to where am I aligned is an important step bef before you decide to leave is first check that, you know, where's the alignment? Yeah. What is your take on autonomy? Mm, autonomy, that's a good question. I believe we both have it and that we don't. I think it's a paradox, autonomy. And I say that because I know that I consciously choose a lot of things in my life every day. It's a practice 
that I've developed over time. And um, it leads me to really great places. So autonomy is alive and well in me. And yet I also know there are things that happen and that a choice that I make based on so many factors around me, a lot of which I don't even know are there because they happened so long ago. And so I think autonomy also doesn't exist. For example, I was watching a video yesterday and a man was talking about the information that your body stores, like the shape of my nose. That's been in my father's family for a long time. So there is data from my ancestors in my body, making decisions in my DNA, things are happening that I don't have any autonomy about from happened so long ago that I don't even know anything about. You know, the experiences of our parents create stresses as we're, you know, a fetus. So we grow up in a certain way where our mind has and our brains have formed in a certain way, depending on the experience of our mothers during pregnancy. So how can I be completely autonomous when there are so many other factors around me? And yet I still believe that right now, at any moment in time, I can make a choice consciously about what I want to do. That's the mindfulness part yeah. of it. Yeah, 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 that you still get to choose. You get to choose how you respond. So I think there's autonomy in response. Not Absolutely. Autonomy in um, how I initially react or how I feel about something. Yeah, nice Thank question. You. Really, Thank you. Really like that question. <laughs> it was and a great answer, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Amber, is there one last thought that you'd like to leave our audience with? Please share this. Um, yeah, wellness is always worth pursuing. It will look different for you than it does for the person next to you, um, and it's a spectrum, I believe. So, but you just try and move yourself further along the wellness spectrum towards more wellness because it's worth it. The investment on, in doing that and paying attention to that um, will deliver you so much back, regardless of whether you've got an illness or whether you've got a um, physical challenge or a mental or emotional challenge. It doesn't matter what you have. You can always strive for wellness. I agree. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amber, for sharing so many valuable tips about what it takes for organizations and people to thrive. To the listeners, if you have any questions or comments about these episodes, please share them on LinkedIn. And thank you for listening. Until thank next you. time. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Go to Thrive Podcasts. Empower people to be happy before, during, and after work.